You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. I'm Warren Pies, founder and strategist at 314 Research. Today, I'm joined by Tom Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tom, first time talking with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, finally, we get to uh, chat. I've been a big fan of your work uh, for many years. Yeah, same to you. Um, it's a great opportunity. Uh, I think Tony will be back next week for anyone who's wondering, but um, I think this is a, a, going to be another big day. It seems like every Tuesday we do this, it ends up being a huge day in the markets. You know, again, markets up huge day, S&P up 1.6%. Uh, on the other side of the trade, uh, bonds down, rates up to on the 10-year 2.93 at close. So, um, and I think the big question on my mind when you have a day like this and putting in context of what's happened in the markets this year is, is this, um, from your view, is this the beginning or the early stages of a new bull market or is this a bear market rally? I think that's ultimately the, the question on my mind. My view starting the year is that, uh, and it still continues, is that uh, we'd see this um, year play out uh, more tactically with um, bear market rallies. And bear market rallies tend to be sharp, quick, uh, they come out of nowhere, and most of them are lower high uh, affairs. And you can exploit them, and I think they're great to trade. And I've been trading them like like a maniac right now. And um, but I think this is uh, it's going to be a period of rate the Fed raising rates. I think earnings are going to start slowing. We're starting to see it. Um, and high commodity prices will probably persist. Right. Uh, you know, for at 314, one of the things we do, we will steel man opposing positions. So coming into the year and steel manning means like, you know, instead of straw manning, where you kind of create a, a crappy version of the opponent's argument, you create the best version of the opposing argument and try to better understand where you could be wrong. So when we came into the year, we were pretty bearish calling for um, enough market volatility to force the Fed to uh, reverse course at some point in the year. We were taking the under on the rate uh, hikes. Um, obviously the Russia-Ukraine war changed things, but I think what, what it's got us thinking about and what we're gonna write about this week is what is the bull case that we could be missing as people have been leaning bearish? Uh, and I think that's a consensus. And that's where I start with my kind of steel man approach of what, how this could be the beginning of a new bull market. One of the charts we we are going to start out our report with this week is the number of bulls in the AAII survey dropping to a basically a 32-year low. Lowest we've seen, no, a few 15.8% respondents are bullish on the next six months in the market. 
Um, the other thing we do, and just to set the table and let get your response, is we create kind of model versions of, uh, of portfolios and strategies that might be out there to kind of triangulate positioning. And so one of the things we do is we do a vol targeted strategy where if you're a portfolio manager and you're dialing exposure up or down with a 10% vol target, what's your positioning? So another big chart there is where this hypothetical position would be following the sell off we saw earlier in the year, we've got uh, this will be the other single clip chart, Brian, if you could, we've seen, there you go, v the vol targeting, hypothetical vol targeting positioning has plummeted to sub 40%. So this is kind of where you expect to see a short-term bottom, whether you're talking about sentiment uh, in, in opinion polls or on the, the, uh, the way positioning should shake out. And so these are kind of the I think the starting points for trying to for constructing a bull case going forward, even though this is not our position at, at present, it's worth understanding it. So what do you think of, of those, the sentiment that's out there? Do you, do you measure sentiment in any certain way uh, in your position? Well, I learned from uh, the best of them, like you did at Ned Davis. Um, I was a client, client of Ned's and uh, I learned and I watched the Ned Davis uh sentiment polls that he had, and I learned, and I basically took out one of your ex-partners uh, uh, for drinks, and I said, okay, tell me the breakdown of how it all works. And one of the components is the daily sentiment index, and that's Jake Bernstein's daily poll of, of currencies, well, stocks, bonds, currencies, and commodities. And that's been really, really helpful. And I chart that on my site, and when you see it go from, you know, it's between zero to 100, and what we saw recently at the last low, we saw 10% bulls. And so it's different from the AAII, which is a weekly poll. And I, I'm not necessarily crazy in love with the AAII poll. Did I do three eyes? Anyway, uh, the problem is they ask, are you bullish, bearish, or neutral? And I think sometimes uh, people will use the excuse and say I'm neutral rather than to go full bear. And look, it, it's good at extremes. And I think sentiment polls are very, very good at extremes. And that's when you really want to use them. But market sentiment can and will stay overbought or oversold for an extended period of time. And you've seen that before in different bear markets where it can be under, let's say from zero to 100, it stays under 50% for the most part uh, for a year, year and a half. And that we've seen that for, for several periods in the especially in the great financial crisis. Um, so that's what I'm watching right now. I see the whole point though, as far as people saying, well, maybe positioning is offsides. There's a lot of stocks and sectors that have been beat down really, really hard. That is not in reality with the S&P and NASDAQ 100, partly because you have the, you know, mega cap names that have, you know, the big attribution and have hidden a lot of the underlying damage. So my view right now is that there are places to buy. I don't have any any inkling that this is a the bottom. It is perhaps a bottom. Uh, I'm, on my screen right there, I'm watching Netflix get absolutely hammered here, and that's not a good tell for some of the technology stocks that are going to be reporting starting this week and a lot next week. Yeah, uh, so Netflix getting destroyed, you don't, doesn't make you feel very comfortable jumping over in that part of the pool. So where, 
what are the select areas that you're looking at and wanting to actually put money to work? I put money to work last week in bank stocks. And I, I really did not have a lot of people that said, hey, this is a great idea. And partly because everyone knew bank earnings were going to be absolutely atrocious, terrible. Uh, the good news is with higher rates, uh, that helped uh, net interest margins or the, in the income of NII. And therefore, there was a bit of a tailwind there. But trading was terrible. Uh, uh, underwriting was, was just terrible year over year. But the stocks were washed out, and I had a lot of DeMarc uh, buy exhaustion signals down there. And this is really different because we've seen the financials go into earnings previous quarters at highs, and then they faded. So this is one quarter where the positioning was offsides, where you had a lot of people that were more short financials than we've seen in a long time, and a lot of put buying I saw down at the lows. Therefore, there was a put squeeze and a little bit of a short squeeze. So I, I like financials still. Um, we're going to talk about it, but I'm more cautious on commodities, especially with energy right now in the short term. I shorted uh, natural gas yesterday, um, added to a position, so I'm now profitable in it. And I added XLE, XOP, and OIH as tactical shorts today. And I think that a pause with the energy sentiment real high and a lot of DeMarc exhaustion signals. So it's not a, I'm a giant bear on energy. I just think that we're gonna see perhaps five to 10% pullback. Yeah, and it's, is that a relative pullback in your mind? And so, cause one of the, the patterns that we've tracked as energy bulls throughout the year on our end is just, is that, Energy is the only sector with a negative correlation, and it has a negative correlation to every single other sector in the market. And uh, so far this year, and, right. there, and there are no other two other sectors with negative correlations within the market. So it's been this odd kind of, um, and really actually useful to portfolio diversifiers and managers uh, asset that gives you a hedge to some of the biggest tail risks that are have been out in the market. So. It, to me, if you get energy going down and these relationships hold, then you're going to expect to see the broad market rally. You know, you would get some relief in oil prices. Uh, these these companies react, and that trade we've been watching persists. Is that what you see, or you see some kind of break in that? Is your are your signals giving you something else? I think it's just more of a of a pullback and maybe a pause. And you know, there's a lot of commodities that hit new highs and spiky type highs, especially in energy with Ukraine, that's calmed down a bit. And I will say all bets are off if this goes, this accelerates and becomes something bigger. One thing I will mention to you, um, I'm looking at my screen here with the uh, Goldman Sachs most shorted baskets. And most sectors have really pretty good performance for the shorts in the last three months and for the last year. I mean, the only one though is energy. The energy shorts have, well, they're up 57%, the shorts. So if you, if you shorted the heavily shorted baskets, you've done great. And the shorts have absolutely been murdered. And the, I think it's the uh, XLE is up 25% in the last three months. So there you go. You have this huge 
move that I think is a lot of short covering. And usually when you see big moves like this with a lot of short covering, the shorts give up, they just say, no thanks. And if numbers come out and they're fine, and we, we saw Halliburton today, come, it came out, the numbers were fine, and the stock sort of faded a bit. It may maybe partly because of the commodity, but I think they're just a little overdone and you're running out of buyers. And I'm sure you see this and I'm sure a lot of people reach out to you because you're a commodity person, you're, you know the energy market so well, and you have a lot of new people buying into the space. And the macro energy tourists, I think, are way out there right now. And so it's, look, people chase what's worked, and that's the fact. Yeah, you know, I can't disagree with that. I guess before I get into kind of editorializing, what so what would your time frame be on that? So it's like a three month to one to three no, months. No, I, look in this in this market, it's this has been a a pretty wild market. So it could be a week, it could be two weeks if crude and everything drops five percent or ten percent. I'm going to take some profits, um, and I'm totally willing to be wrong and. That's something in, in a bear market that people need to recognize. And you can be wrong by taking profits too early. And I, I've done that, and that's okay. Um, you just don't wanna be holding on to something and being real stubborn. This is a market that you just, you just cannot be stubborn at all. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of today's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, I think uh, that would be, if I had to think of why, I would be. A little bit nervous about holding on to my energy longs here it would be crowded it is crowded and it's a similar thick dynamic to what we're starting the show with which is aii sentiment and, and you know and like you said i think there are some issues with texas it's what people say versus what how they're positioned but yeah there's a kind of uh long energy is consensus and bearish the market is consensus and nobody really feels very comfortable being right in the middle of the consensus trade um on any time right but maybe sometimes when you get into front of a big move just to to step outside of that for a minute is you don't want to overthink it and that's kind of where i'm at on it's like yeah, it could be a five or ten percent correction in energy and that might be healthy and it seems like every day that goes by china is increasing the lockdowns and you know so that's ostensibly pretty bearish for oil the fact that we're above $100 a barrel, there's signal in that. You know, to me, there's huge signal that we've lost somewhere between two and two and a half million barrels a day of demand through the China lockdowns. And in the past, when we've seen a Chinese uh, China lockdown their country, or even suggest locking the country down, you know, oil has fallen apart. Go back to the Omicron scare, go back to anything during the, the early days of Delta. And the fact that oil has hung in above 100 is a, is a huge signal. So, yeah, I can't disagree that it's a crowded trade and, uh, you know, we could have a 5 or 10% correction, sure. But over the long term, uh, I see, uh, you know, I think these are huge, 
huge secular events that are happening this year. And it's hard, it's almost difficult to overstate them. So that's kind of the message that I've been giving clients. So it's interesting to see differing time horizons, how you would fit that together and, uh, and have different positions. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I'm in the same boat thinking longer term. And look, I do all the fundamental reading and I know how you just can't turn on the wells uh, that people wish they could. And that's going to take a long time to get the supply and demand uh, balance uh, worked out. And my view is if we got down to 90 on WTI, That'd be, you know, fine trade. I'd be more than happy to take profits there. Um, natural gas was very, very crowded. I shorted that and I was wrong for a few days and I knew I was going to be wrong. I'm like, look, I'm going to be wrong. I didn't think it was going to go up what it did yesterday, but I'm really happy what it did today. Um, it worked out pretty well. And one thing also, a lot of people will want to trade with ETFs and UNG, which is not necessarily a great ETF or an ETN as they, I think it's a futures-based trade or an ETN. Basically, uh, there's no borrow. And usually when I see that there's no borrow for something, uh, with a lot of the retail brokers, I mean, Fidelity was one that I heard that wouldn't give a borrow. That sometimes gets to a point where they're kind of looking out for their customers and they don't want to lend out something. And, and, and it was tight. So that might have even been the squeeze higher, uh, you know, causing the the huge move that we saw yesterday. Yeah. I mean, natural gas is a, known as the widow maker for a reason. But if you've been in the energy business for any period of time, you've felt at one point or another, like you've had natural gas market dead to rights and it's done something different, whether it's, you know, record warmth and during the heart of winter or something like that. I mean, it's a very notoriously uh, difficult market to trade. Um, kind of dovetailing off of the the energy discussion and how we trade it is kind of a policy discussion in today's clip from Gontron Dikiect and uh, his interview with Michael Green. So let's take a look at what they said. The giant is waking up. Uh, that is a, a huge change in Europe. Uh, Germany, who for a long time was very uh, careful about military spending uh, suddenly has uh, done a turnaround. It's going to invest 100 billion to catch up and is going to go to 2% way earlier than expected. And the German population supports it. Uh, I think 90% of the Germans support the decision of the chancellor, which is incredible. So that's going to be a major change in the, in the dynamic of Europe. Um, nuclear power uh, and, and, and oil and gas, we, we go back to it. Um, I think Europe will wane off uh, Russian oil and gas. Problem is uh, commodities are much harder to wane off uh, than any other types of financial assets. You need harbors, you need pipelines, you need uh, boats, you need a lot of things. So it's going to take time, but I think Europe has learned its lesson and hopefully will uh, reduce uh, its, its dependence on Russian, on Russian oil. So there you go. Um, you know, moving on from energy for a minute, one of the things that you had brought up pre previous uh, to the call was that you, you're, you're really keeping a close eye on the yen and rates and how you think there's really just one big macro trade going on. And so why don't we dig into that for a minute and get your thoughts there? Right. Well, think about, I think it was about six weeks ago, uh, the Bank of Japan met and they came out 
and said they're fine with the yen dropping. They weren't too concerned and they were going to stay, you know, steady with their monetary policy. And this was, you know, really a break from all the others and they just felt real confident. Now the yen is really dropping hard and Kuroda, who runs the Bank of Japan, is getting very nervous. He's making some comments. And it's always like talking from both sides of the mouth. Oh, it's 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 okay that it's low, but we're monitoring it. And he has the very concerned thing. And he doesn't normally get real concerned or say real concerning things uh, outwardly. But I've seen this correlation where we have rates going up. You've got the yen dropping and you've had commodities going up. And the S&P has been trying to, it's been down, but it's trying to hold in here. But my concern is what happens if and when, because it will happen, the yen turns. And I think that there is a, I mean, look, bonds are very stretched to the downside right now. And I see the yen very stretched to the downside. I think you're going to see some sort of correlated trade that could catch a lot of people off sides. And if that happens, I've had people say, well, that would be good if rates are lower. But if the yen is higher, I think that would be bad for equity. So I don't have the full answer. And a lot of times when I'm looking at things, I'll do a how many percentage of the perfect trade do I have? And I'd say I'm around 60 to 70% right here with my thinking of what I'm watching. And that's kind of the big trade. Everybody's piled into the same thing in the macro world. Yeah, and so is just to be clear, are you are you looking at going long the yen or expressing that? How would you best express a, a, a view that a turning point could happen and could be violent? We've seen eight months of dollar strength and eight months of dollar bullish sentiment well over the 70% to 100% level. And yesterday it hit 93%. And I haven't seen today's reading, but I'm sure it's going to be either 93 or maybe even a touch higher. That's rare. The yen is in single digits. The euro has been in single digits. Uh, pound sterling has been in single digits of bullish sentiment. So you have this real wide uh, dispersion between the crosses. I'm not quite ready to go along uh, the yen. I think that would be a little bit uh, aggressive. I am long a little sterling and euro in short uh, against the dollar. And I think that that's something I'm monitoring. It's not a huge position, but it's something I'm watching right now as, I mean, I'm also looking at all the, the other uh, yen tr uh, crosses with all, you know, the Aussie and uh, sterling and everything and those are getting stretched they're not all there as far as with the mark signals but they're close and if this turns i think it's going to have some real market dynamics yeah no doubt where, where does gold fit into that mix for you i mean it's it's um you know there, there should be some place for to fit gold in there as well if we get like some kind of dollar weakness against these other currencies i would imagine gold gets a bid yeah, gold's, gold reached, I mean, gold was a spike on Ukraine, and I was long gold at the time, and 2050 on gold futures, that was my target. I sold it, and it backed off. I actually thought I was making a huge mistake. 
but it backed off and now it's sort of in no man's land. I like silver a little bit better than gold. Uh, I, I just don't have a real push for gold right now. I, and the other thing is Bitcoin. If Bitcoin and crypto didn't exist, gold would be 3000. I'm convinced of it because that's the de facto inflation trade that people used to do. Now there's alternatives. Yeah, it makes some sense. I think there's we we have a a massive seventeen asset allocation model. We use underlying it is ultimately a, an ML algorithm that goes through and groups every asset together. And so, you know, it's hard to you know sometimes it's hard to structure a study to find a relationship. But when you throw the the price action and volatility profiles of these various assets together, what I found interesting is that it did spit out gold and bitcoin on its own separate branch from the model so you know if the mo if our model says those two assets are competing for money within the structure i'm sure they're they're filling the same role the competition role with each other out in the market so i mean it makes sense that, that bitcoin's stealing some flows from gold um, yeah that's well, that's absolutely true this market has been in the last two years you have a lot of new people that have entered the market and they chase whatever is green, whatever's been working. And that's, I think, going to continue. And just people just keep, you know, going from, you know, it's the Wayne Gretzky skate to where the puck's going. Um, they're skating with the puck and chasing everything. And I think that's the real risk here is that people just keep churning themselves and, and looking for something that works and they get into things late. Yeah. Uh... I think that's uh, that's been kind of the theme of the market since the 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 the, the COVID lockdowns and the resultant stimulus. So uh, people can get burned for sure. And so we've seen that with high valuation stocks already this year being kind of taking the brunt of the sell off earlier in the year, which uh, you could also view that as a positive thing for the broad market. Um, so let's look at really quick. There's some questions. A lot of people giving you uh, kudos for sticking your neck out there on the net gas trade. Um, one, I think that kind of plays into what you were just talking about is uh, one user wants to know. Um, he says, Tommy, what's going on with the bond market? The curve got steeper than a cow's face. Is Tina getting ditched for a better date? So, I mean, I'm not, I know a lot of kind of country phrases, but I don't know that one. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I've been long. I was, I've been a bond bear for a while, and I wrongly bought bonds a little premature. I'm still long bonds. Doesn't feel very good, but market sentiment is still stretched. Single digits on the bond sentiment, and we're a day away from getting another Demarc exhaustion signal. So. It's actually, I'm, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's hard when you see something in the short term to do, but you have a longer term view that you, it's the opposite. So I'm, I'm sort of feel, feeling like I've been running a marathon with the rock in my shoe and it just doesn't feel good. Do you do the mark signals across? Are they kind of fractal? So do you do them across different? It's not something I've ever worked with. Do you do them across like weekly, daily, monthly frequencies? They they work uh, across all different time frequencies, month, intraday, things like that. Yeah, I look at intraday right there. I look at I, mean, I Tom DeMarc created these signals uh, for any time frame. He created them on paper in the '70s when he got a computer. He programmed them 
they seem to work, which is a miracle. And I use them. I know when they work real well and when to press and when things don't work or I, I see other signals conflicting with a potential move. Uh, I know just from experience. So there it's a subjective indicator. And I do look at daily and weekly, and I use a 15-minute for my intraday entries on things. Yeah, and just to reiterate, we had another question um, on your DeMarc readings for TLT, which obviously is the long bond uh, ETF. And so I would assume that you're, the follow-up is, all right, bonds a buy at this point, so you're still long. So that's that's how you see it. It's yeah, it's, it's not... Honestly, it's not one of my better trades. I'm not really proud of it, but I'm I'm sticking with it because of the uh, process that I use with market sentiment, and there are some DeMarc signals. And the other DeMarc signals that have caught some bounces on the TLT or basically the better on the uh, on yields or the bond futures, uh, you know, we've seen short-term bounces uh, with bonds and that's what I think could happen. And, you know, this, everybody wants to make a profit, but I'm actually in the trade right now and I wouldn't mind losing less. And I know that's just counter. And I, I was on another business channel. They'd probably say, you know what, but I'm wrong. And I'd like to get out of that trade. And I'm, I'm just going to try and trade myself around this and uh, show myself the door. Yeah. Um, well, something we haven't talked about, but a, a question here, which so it's interesting, um, maybe as it relates also to your view on on the dollar, is uh, what is your short term outlook on small caps? And uh, I don't know if you look at earnings, but how do you think the rest of earnings season will affect the Russell 2000? Well, I think you're going to have a couple problems with the well, first of all, the Russell is going it does these periods of going sideways. And I think you're in this sideways pattern right now. And Look, if you get above, you know, let's just say IWM and it gets above 210, I think you could see a, a run and it goes through these little spiky periods. But one of the problems you have with earnings in the small caps is they're highly dependent on rates. And if you have higher rates, there are a lot of zombie companies that are going to have a hard time refining their existing debt, which they roll over. And so I think that's a potential risk for small caps, and if anything, maybe it's not a short, which I'm not short of small caps, but I just think it might be just treadmill time and it goes pretty much sideways. We're gonna take another quick break to hear words from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, getting close to the time limit here. Let me like maybe two more questions. Uh, one about a lot of them about natural gas for you. And uh, we've cut, we talked about it a bit. One different angle that we haven't talked about is do you use COT data when you're analyzing these commodities? And so commitment of traders data is uh, what COT stands for, um, futures positioning. Do you do you use that? I mean, I built models uh, before 
using CFTC data and the natural gas market and actually work pretty well. So, yeah, I I do, and I I publish a, a commodity weekly on Sundays. It's a standalone thing, and the I haven't seen anything that just jumps out at me with natural gas. I think people have been short. Um, it's just not a. It doesn't stand out like crude has, uh, where you can really see a defined uh, pattern there. And sometimes COT data just it, it can get wonky on certain commodities and and indices and and bonds as well. But the the main thing is I just saw market sentiment on natural gas at pegged at ninety two percent for the last four days, and the twenty day moving average I look at moving averages on the actual sentiment hit 90 or excuse me 87 percent and historically anything above 85 percent is getting into your stretched and you could see the see it you know come back come back down again sentiment can stay high for a long time i used the mark signals and i had 13 exhaustion signals yesterday or actually the countdown 13 the mark exhaustion signal yesterday and that's what was something i was anticipating that's what it what i did Interesting. Uh, a lot of questions. Do you have a view on uranium? A lot of questions about uranium kind of for both of us here and specifically about some to pose to me, whether uranium should get swapped out for your energy exposure as kind of like, because we've been, I've been recommending energy as a, a way to hedge your broader portfolio mix against some of the tail risks in the market through that, that negative correlation we talked about. So do you have a a view on uranium? Have you been looking at the stocks or the commodity there? Yeah, I've looked at um, several of the stocks and they've done really well. I was long a few, I was long the ETF, the URA, and sold it a little early, uh, profitable, but early. I like the space a lot. And I was just at the Real Vision macro experience and uranium was very, very hot and people all they wanted to do was talk about uranium. And Jared Dillian talked about it. Tony Greer talked about it. I looked at it in a sense of saying, you got a lot of new people that are really coming into this. So it's good. It's probably going to go higher. Uh, Mark Ritchie knows the space great. And they're super bullish on it. Yeah, I think it'll move. Um, short term, I really haven't examined it enough. But I, I think it's... Um, probably the future yeah i think that it makes sense conceptually that would be my answer in that it's going to have to be part of our energy mix moving forward and so you know that's just like a really broad statement though and, and so far as you're going to use it tactically in today's markets to substitute in for your energy mix your broad energy mix i would not do that you know these these are uh, i wouldn't know the correlation between uranium stocks and your traditional energy stocks but um my guess is it's not that tight, as tight as you might assume, just having the, the fact that they're kind of part of this, you know, energy, uh, solving the energy problem that we've created for ourselves here. Well, and, just like just like the energy uh, uh, supply problem, it's not like you can build a nuclear reactor in the next year or it takes 10 years and probably in the US, it'll at least take 10 years to build something. And there's so much great technology that today versus way back when. And so that gives me a lot of optimism, but I think you're right. It's like you're buying uranium now for something that could happen and probably will happen 
years from now. And I think that might be something about positioning. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things, if you're kind of uh, old school energy analyst has been through this entire cycle, like myself, you know that you've heard a lot of pitches that involve similar topics that are kind of getting brought up, kind of to your point about the energy space and how it's a little exhausted right here. There are a lot of new bulls. And if you run into them online or in social media, they're going to beat their chest and explain to you, you know, why why long oil is is such a no brainer. And we've had some huge unpredictable events that have conspired to create what I think is actually a very bullish backdrop for oil. But you have to have humble, you you be humil have humility and be humble about how you make these calls. And there's always a lot of luck that goes into all this stuff. Uranium is one of those things. I've been hearing about it for the last 10 years. Um, people are kind of like in, in a cult type of way about uranium. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're true believers. I'm glad that they're going to push there, but I want to wait until you can kind of, you have more liquidity and see the whites of their eyes. And maybe I missed some of this trade because of it, but it's, it's, it doesn't play the strategic thing role in my portfolio that I want out of the energy stocks that I'm recommending right now for, for clients. So no, it's not a, it's not one, I'm not in that camp yet. Personally. Yeah, makes sense. Total makes total sense. Great. I think uh, that about covers it for today. Uh, Tom, thank you for for sitting down and talking with me. I uh, hope we get to do it again. Yeah, uh, sounds good. Yeah, and tomorrow, uh, let me see who's coming on tomorrow. It's going to be Darius Dale with Weston. So going to be a good show tomorrow. Hope everybody tunes in. Thanks for watching us today. This is the daily briefing. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.